Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Vince Oliveri. Um, I am a pastor and church planting resident here at Cave Spring. Um, it's good to be with you this morning, even if it's only remotely. Uh, I'm looking at the lens of a camera right now, and you guys are looking at a screen on YouTube. But it's good to be with you. Um, like Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians 2 and in Colossians 2, uh, we long to be together face to face in the flesh, but we are together in the spirit and in heart. And so it's good to be with you uh, virtually, uh, remotely this morning. Um, we're going through the Apostles' Creed. Um, we have a couple weeks left in this series. And we come to, I think, a passage that is unique for our time. Because we come to this section on the church, on who the church is and how the church lives. And you might think to yourself, talking about the church and thinking about the church while we are in our own homes, under quarantine, bunkered down, and watching a screen right now, not in our normal rhythms. But I think, in, in a unique way, this season of life helps us see the need and the value of community uh, more acutely, more seriously. So, you might be anxious. Um, you might be uh, maybe losing your mind a little bit cooped up in your home. And you might be lonely and isolated in this season. And I think us discussing, one, the fact that we as people are fundamentally social creatures, that we are made for community. And then secondly, thinking about the fact that God has provided for us a family in the church, I think is a great encouragement for us this morning. So, so we want to look at two lines of the creed. I believe in the holy universal church, and I believe in the communion of saints. And so as we look at these two lines, we're going to think about two specific things, the identity of the church and then the life of the church. So first, the identity of the church. Uh, we're going to kind of walk through the creed a little bit more with that one. And the second one, we're going to get into Acts 2, 40 through, 42 through 47 a bit more. Um, so, so first, the identity of the church. We find in the, in the creed this line, one we, holy universal church, or in the Nicene Creed, one holy Catholic or universal apostolic church. And, and the church has understood that those four things in the Nicene Creed and those two things in the Apostles' Creed are the marks of the true church. They define who the church is and its fundamental identity. So, so let's walk through those just for a moment so we have a better sense of who the church is. So first, the church is one. Because we, through the gospel, have one Father, one Lord, and one Spirit. We are one people. We're one family. Not just our local congregation, but the church across the world throughout time is one people. We have unity because of the gospel. Second, we see that we're holy because of the gospel. Not because of our own works, not because we're really great. We're not perfect. We are not, we, and we shouldn't take a holier-than-thou uh, perspective in the world. I don't think that's what holy means. I think holy means, again, that we are people of the gospel because Jesus has taken on our sin and our unrighteousness and our death and given us his life and his righteousness and his holiness. We are a holy community. And, and ultimately, because the spirit is causing the gospel to come to bear in our community, to shape our lives, to lead us, we are a holy people. I do think it's an important side note and maybe more than a side note, for us to see that the part of the creed about the church is underneath the part of the creed, the line in the creed, where we confess our belief in the Holy Spirit. And that is because the Holy Spirit knits together and gives life to 
and leads the church. That the church is not just some sociological uh, construction or, or manifestation. It's not just a club of people who have, who have a similar interest or a similar way of life. It is a very work of God. It's a community that God is binding together with the Spirit. And so those things that Pete talked about last week, about the Spirit, about how the Spirit confirms for us the promises and the presence of Christ. Here's, here's a beautiful thing. In many ways, he does that through the church. We see the face of God's kindness in Christ towards us through the faces of one another, as we see one another, as we pray with one another, as we listen to one another. We who long for peace right in this moment, we find peace through the Spirit. He applies this, this, the, the peace of the gospel to us, but he does that often within the context of the church. So the church is one holy, universal church. You might see the word Catholic in a lot of renderings, in the traditional rendering. This is written a long time ago um, and has been confessed for many centuries and is not a denominational or sort of particular traditional uh, line, but is a statement about the universality of the church. That because we have one God and one Savior, we are a, uh, a universal church for all peoples, uh, for all times, all centuries of the life of the church, in all places. So the church is a universal church, which is actually, I think, a unique encouragement for us in this season as we feel the pressures and the anxieties and the questions facing uh, the world. It's good for us to remember that we share in the sufferings of Christ with a great cloud of witnesses, with the church around the world, with the church through the ages, that we share in the life and even the sufferings of Christ together. And it's maybe easier when we feel that we have a common enemy and a common struggle um, that we really know that we're in this together, that we can pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who might be facing this as acutely or more acutely and seriously and, and intensely than we are. And so we are one holy, universal, apostolic church. Apostolic just meaning that we are rooted in the life and witness of the gospel of the apostles, the very life and ministry of the apostles, but even we're rooted and grounded in the scriptures, the apostolic word of God, and even we carry out the ministry and the mission of the apostles to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations, to, to plant churches. So we are an apostolic church. So I want to back up for a second and say those are four marks of the universal church, but really there are four dimensions of the one mark of the true church. The gospel defines the true church. It is because of the gospel that we're unified, because of the gospel that we're holy, because of the gospel uh, that we are a universal church, and because of the gospel that we are apostolic. And so the gospel shapes who we are. I want us to think about this just for a second because often we think of the church maybe as just the container of, of the, the essential contents of the faith rather than actually a part of the essential contents. But see that it is in the creed. I believe in the church. I confess faith in the church. I believe that, that God is not just dealing with me as an individual in a personal, private sort of way, divorced from uh, the life of the church, but rather he's doing something bigger. He is uniting a, a, um, a band and a family and a company of the gospel, to use the language of Kevin Van Hooser. We're a company of the gospel. And so, so we believe that the church is essential, is essential and central to what God is doing in our lives and in the world. So that, that is a little bit about the identity of the church. Let's drill down a bit more into Acts 2 and, and find out about the 
the life of the church. If, if the marks of the, of the church kind of help us think about the church universal, I think Acts 2 and the life of the church is going to help us think about particular churches. As we think about the communion of the saints, we can think about this church in Acts, and we can even think about um, our church, Cave String Baptist Church. So let's think about the life of the church just for um, a few minutes. We could draw from Acts 2 a lot of kind of marks of, of what our shared life could look like. In fact, we could follow the five ministries of our church, um, word and gospel, worship, community, spiritual formation, and mission. We could find all five of those and trace them out um, in this passage, and I encourage you to do that. Um, but I want to focus on one in particular, community. That this is, a, is just perhaps the greatest picture in Scripture of the community of the church, the communion of the saints. So I want to talk about three things about our community. Um, first, that the church is a community in awe. Second, that the church is a community in fellowship. And third, that the church is a community uh, in action, in service to the world. So because we love God, we are in awe of him. Because we love one another, we are in fellowship with one another. And because we follow Christ who loves the world, we love the world and we love our neighbors. So we are a community in action. So let's, let's think about this for a few uh, moments. We are a community in awe. Look at verse 43, if you have your scriptures out, if you have your Bible, look at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. This was a church where every single member of them, of this, of this body had this experience of awe. Well, why is that? And if we just flip back a few uh, pages, or, or a few verses, I mean, we would realize that they had just heard really the first uh, sermon in the life of, of the New Testament church. And they are cut to their hearts by the gospel. And they ask, what can we do? And they, they repent and believe. And they are baptized into the life and death of Christ and into um, the church. And, and, and they're, they're changed by the gospel, as we like to say. And so as they're changed by the gospel, there is an awe that comes upon them. A fear, a, a delight, a trembling before the holiness and the goodness and the beauty of who God is. And so... What does that look like in the church of Acts? I think a few things. Verse 42, it leads to a devotion to the word, a devotion to the apostolic teaching. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devote themselves to fellowship. It looks like being a community of communion and prayer. Um, there are people who break bread and communion, remembering what Christ has done and participating in the life of God and sharing in the grace of God with one another. And there are people who pray. People who have seen the face of God in the gospel are people who get down on their faces and give thanks to him, whose faces glow because I have been changed by God apart from anything that I could do. And, and they're people who have awe, e even to the point of saying in verse 44, uh, verse 30, 43, I mean, many wonders and signs were being done. I wonder what sorts of signs, gospel signs, might God desire to do and do through our community in this season as we, as we follow him, as we worship him, as we commit together to, to loving him? So, so a couple things of what that might look like for us. <clears throat> I think it looks like this. Sunday morning worship through our com computers, phones, um, devices. We can devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching 
devote ourselves to the scriptures, devote ourselves to the gospel. We can devote ourselves to a time of prayer together on Sunday mornings. But even beyond that, I think if we think of sort of the rings or the layers of community in our church, there's probably the the broadest, which is the gathering of the church on Sundays. And then moving in, we have Bible study, which has obviously changed pretty significantly by this season, but we're still having Bible study through Colossians on Wednesday. So we encourage you guys to be a part of that, to learn and apply the gospel to your life and and really to, to worship God as the God who's revealed himself in Christ. And and, and beyond those things, maybe this is a new season for your family and, and, and for your household to establish rhythms of worship and of prayer so that you might uh, come before God in awe. So, so we're community in awe. We're also community in fellowship. Out of our deep love for God, we love and delight in one another. And like I said, I do think in this time we might feel the need for that and, and just the draw of that and the longing for that even more intensely. And I think that's a good thing. I think loneliness and being isolated should make us realize that God has made us for one another. So what does it look like to be a community and fellowship for the church in Acts? Well, well, verse 42, it talks about how they are committed to or devoted to fellowship. Verse 44, it says that they, the, all who believed were together. Uh, not just physically together, but uh, physically together, but more than that. In, in, in their very identity, they were together and they had all things in common. Just a side note, this is not a community that has all things in common because they're all the same. If we just flip back to uh, verses 9 and 11 of Acts 2, we realize that this is, these are people from all over the place, different languages, different ethnicities. If we looked a, ver- a couple verses down, we realized that some of them are selling what they have to care for others because they are of a different socioeconomic status than others. We can assume they're different genders, different ages. And so this is a diverse community where the fullness of themselves are coming to bear on um, the, their shared life together. They're not losing who they are, but they're, they're bringing their whole selves to, to share in life with one another. So it's not a community of uniformity, but of unity, um, of, of diversity and unity. And so what would it look like for us, I think, to experience that kind of fellowship while we are the church scattered rather than the church gathered? A couple of things um, to encourage you. One, you might have been involved in a community group or a Bible study where you spent time together and you might not have that anymore. Well, one of the cool things that we are still doing is we are still meeting as community groups. So what that looks like is we use uh, any number of apps, but we're really specifically using this app called Zoom, a video conferencing app, where we get on our computers or our phones and we look at each other in the face through the screen and we hear each other's voices and we laugh with one another, see each other in our own spaces, in our kitchens, in our living rooms, cooking and sitting on the couch. You can even have dessert at your own house, kind of with the other person. and we're sharing life with one another. And, and you might be thinking, I'm kind of skeptical of that. I don't know if that's going to really work. And I understand that. It is very different. It's new for all of us. Our community group just met last, uh, this past week. Um, and, and it was a sweet time. So I encourage you, if you're used to certain rhythms of community that have been kind of cut off for now, pursue them in a unique way through Zoom. If you have any questions on how to do that, talk to uh, talk to Pastor Allen or talk to Pastor Chip. They'll be able to help you out with that. Um, I think not only um, community groups, but maybe one-on-one discipleship can flourish in this season. And let me just say 
For those of you who think to yourself, you know what, even before this crisis, I felt lonely and not tremendously connected. This presents you with a really unique opportunity to press in for the first time. It, it might be easier than it's ever been for you to just shoot one of us an email, say, I'm, I'm interested in joining a community group. I lead a community group on Wednesdays. Um, Zach Decker uh, and Morgan Decker are starting a new community group. These, the, and there's many other community groups. Um, so if you're interested in that, just reach out to Alan, reach out to Chip, and we'd love to get you plugged in. You can drop in for 15 minutes or 30 minutes. If you needed to go take care of the kids or if you need to go to bed and you start dozing off, that's fine for you to dip out and for you to, to take care of what you need to take care of. So I want to encourage you in that, that we can still experience a community and fellowship together in, in, in unique ways in this season. Um, so if you have questions, again, um, please reach out to the pastoral team and, and they, we, we would, they would love to encourage you in that. Okay, so the last one um, a community in awe, community in fellowship, and a community in action. Not only are they in awe of God and in fellowship and enjoyment of one another, meeting together with glad hearts, loving being with one another, they're also a community in action. Um, they are community on mission. So, so look at a couple of these things. Look at how in verse 45, they are a people who are generous. They have open hands. They are selling their possessions to give to those in their community who are needy. Look at verse 46. They have open homes. They are being hospitable. They're welcoming their homes to one another so that they might have other people's, other people's, other people's, other people come in and join them and eat with them um, and laugh with them and, and, and partake of, of, of life together. And then look at verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. And so God is using them on mission. He's using their life as a witness of the kingdom, and people are compelled by that, and God is adding numbers. He's adding people. And they're not just interested in what's going on there in, this, in sort of the social aspect of things. They're being saved because they're believing in the gospel that they're seeing on display in this community. So for us, we can be a community in action as well, even in this season. You might be thinking, okay, maybe we can experience fellowship. Maybe we can worship. Maybe we can be committed to the word, but I, I don't want to risk my safety and health. And that's wise. We don't want that to happen. But there are ways that we can be uniquely on mission and in service in this time. So you might have heard we have a CRT, a COVID-19 response team that is set up intentionally to care for uh, one another and our neighbors. So if you have the ability to pray for, call somebody and talk to them um, and, and listen to them, if you have the ability to run and get somebody groceries and drop them off on their front door, please reach out to us and be a part of that. Or if you're somebody who feels like I have some needs, I am lonely, I'm struggling, I'm, I'm scared of going to the a grocery store, please reach out to us because this is an opportunity for us to serve one another in ways that we might not have been able to in the past. Um, and so that can extend beyond just our church family. Take this season as an opportunity to perhaps reach out to your neighbors. See if you could get some groceries for them. Kara actually did this, went and talked to some of our neighbors uh, a couple houses down, kept some reasonable distance, brought some Clorox wipes, you know, take care of the, the door handle and asked if we could get them groceries, if we could um, help them in any way. So we can be a community 
in awe, in fellowship, and in action in this season because we are the people of God, the one holy universal apostolic church. And so let me just close with an encouragement to you um, from one of my favorite authors, somebody I spent a lot of time reading, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, about just the goodness of the communion of the saints. This is what he says about community. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brothers is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day may be taken from us, that the time that still separates us from utter loneliness may be brief indeed. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace and nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. Let me pray for us. Father, would you grant the grace of community to us in this trying season for those who are anxious, worried, fearful of loss of life and livelihood and normalcy? Would you, would you grant them the grace of fellowship with one another? For those who are considering, can this be a season of, of connecting? Would you encourage them by your spirit that it can be? Would you help us to love the church as you love the church? Would you help us to commit our lives to Christ and to his people in this season in unique ways? And, and Lord, lead us in that, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.